So I need your help finishing this statement. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it, right? And so I'm sure we've all heard that saying, and I've heard it a lot, and I wonder sometimes, well, what exactly does that mean? And my understanding is that it, that it means be careful what you desire, that our desires, things that we want, things that we ask for, are not always good for us. And when we get that, we realize. And so to, to illustrate that, I'd like to talk to you about a children's book. It's a children's story called The Chocolate Touch. And it's this young man named John Midas. And his favorite thing in the world is chocolate. Um, his, his parents try to, try to keep him from it. His doctor tells him not to eat it, but he, he gets it from his friends. He sneaks it when he can. He eats it in his bedroom. He, that's all he wants to eat. And so one day, he's walking along the sidewalk, and he, he sees this coin. And it's not, a, it's not a coin he's ever seen before. It actually has his initials on it. And so he continues walking, and he walks to this storefront. And it turns out to be a chocolate store. And it's very interesting. The, the store clerk waves him in and says, come on in. And he said, would you like to try some chocolate? And John says, well, I don't have any money. I just have that coin. The store clerk looks at the coin and says, I'll take it. Um, he, he trades him the coin for a box of chocolate. John was really excited, but he knew that as if, if his mom saw it, then he'd probably take it from him. So he went up in his room. He snuck up in his room and hid it and went through the normal, normal evening routine, uh, ate his supper, got cleaned up, brushed his teeth and all that good stuff, and then he went to his room and there was the box of chocolate. Well, he tore, tore open the box and, and was disappointed to realize that it was just one piece of chocolate, but he ate it anyway. He was really excited and he said that was the best chocolate that he had ever eaten. The book says the chocolatiest chocolate he had ever eaten. So he's very satisfied, very pleased with himself that he had got some chocolate that evening and he went to bed. Well, he woke up the next morning to find that everything that he put in his mouth turned to chocolate. The toothpaste that he brushed his teeth with in the morning turned to chocolate. His bacon and eggs and orange juice turned to chocolate when he put it in his mouth. Even at school when he wanted to drink, drink from the water fountain, that turned to chocolate as well. Now he was really Excited. You can imagine someone who loves chocolate, how excited he was. But he quickly realized that it, that it wasn't great because he couldn't quench his thirst. All that sugar, you know, how the sugar will, will dry your throat. Well, he couldn't, he couldn't quench his thirst because everything that passed his lips turned to chocolate. So he realized what he thought was a blessing, what he was really excited about, he even um, it, it turned out to be a curse. And... He was, he was distressed, he was sad about it, and he even went to his mother, and his mother was consoling him. And when he kissed his mother goodnight, his mother turned into a chocolate statue. So John thought, now, what do I do? What have I done? So he runs back to the store clerk, and he starts pointing at him and yelling, saying, this is all your fault. If you hadn't sold me this chocolate, this, this would have never happened. It's all your fault. And the store clerk says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have to take some responsibility. You asked for this, and all you, all you could ever think about and want and, and do had surrounded chocolate. You were selfish, and you need to take some responsibility. So he took some responsibility. He said, I'll do anything. I'll do anything to have my mother back. And so John finally realized that he had been selfish, and chocolate wasn't the most important thing. And before he couldn't see past his own selfish desires, he resented his parents' 
for trying to control his diet, but once he received what he thought he wanted, he quickly realized that, that a, an exclusive diet of chocolate was nothing but miserable. And that comes from the old story about King Midas, where everything that he touched turned to gold. It turned it into a, a children's story. But you know, there are similar stories in the Bible where God allowed His people to have what they desired, even though it wasn't good for them. And they quickly realized that their desires caused them misery. And so the purpose of this lesson, the point of why I'm telling you all this, is that, that I hope by the end of the lesson that we'll carefully consider what we ask God for, our request to God, and ask, ask God for things, um, ask for His will, rather than being consumed by our own desires or what we think is best. Because, you know, we don't always know what's best. So the three stories we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Israel demanding a king in 1 Samuel 8. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve, and then we're going to talk about the prodigal son. We're going to look at these three examples. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, please. 1 Samuel chapter 8. So when we read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we read about a man named Samuel. He's a prophet and a priest and a former judge, and he's appointed his sons to be judges. And they were pretty sorry judges, and so the Israelites didn't like them at all. And so the elders came to Samuel, and they said, Samuel, we want a king. We want a king. And God was displeased because the Israelites had rejected him as king. And so Samuel goes to God. God says, the Israelites want a king. It's like, fine, they've rejected me as king. I'll grant, I'll grant their request. But if you look in verses 10 through 18, God tells Samuel to warn them. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10 says, So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground, to reap his harvest and to take his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters and be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flock and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. And so the Israelites reject God as king and ask for a king. So they want to be like the other nations, but God warns them of the things that, will, that the kings will take. And the people were too stubborn to list, listen to Samuel, and the people insisted, so God granted their request. You know, they thought they knew what was best, but their reasoning was poor. They said, we're not happy with who we have, but we want to, we want to be like the other nations. And God knew what was best and offered that, but didn't force him on them. Or didn't force himself on the, on the Israelites. And what was the result? A slow spiral downward into idolatry and, and turning their hearts away from God. The second story we're going to look at is in Genesis 3. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve. 
So if you will, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. So we're all familiar of, with the story of Adam and Eve. God created the heavens and earth. He created the garden. He created Adam and Eve. And He created the garden for Adam and Eve, for them, for them to live and had everything they needed in it. They didn't need, need or want for anything. But then in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, the serpent comes and tempts Eve and causes her, um, or tempts her, and she eats of the fruit. And then she gives it to Adam, and, and he eats, so they, so they disobey God. So when the, when the serpent tempts Eve, her desire for the fruit was stronger than her desire to obey, which clouded their judgment and led them to disobedience. And what was the consequence? Look in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. It says, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And not only that, but in verse 23, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground for which, from which he was taken. So he drove them out of the garden. So their consequences, they had, to, they had to endure pain, they had to work, they had to sweat, and eventually die. They were, they were stripped of the blessing that God gave them because they were disobedient because they weren't satisfied with what God had given them. So the next story, we're going to look at Luke 15. If you will turn to Luke chapter 15. So this is not an actual event like the other two, but it's a story about how God treats us when we make bad decisions. Luke chapter 15. So if you look in Luke 15 and start in verse 11... Read about a man with two sons. And the youngest of those sons asked for his inheritance early. He, he, desired, um, he desired his inheritance before it was due to him. Well, he went away. We all know he went away and wasted his money. Depending on what version you have, it might say with riotous or reckless living. And so he's away and he's spending his money and he's wasted it. And a famine comes along and he has no money to buy food. So what does he have to do? He has to go to work. Uh, one of the nastiest jobs that, that I could imagine, working, working with, uh, have, having to, to feed pigs and, and work with them. And he was uh, so hungry that he was desiring the food, the food that he was feeding the pigs. So he was, in a, he was in a bad spot. So he was homeless, he was hungry, and realized he'd be better off as a servant in his father's house rather than where he was. So he goes back he repents, and his father restores him. So before his desire for wealth and independence clouded his judgment and led him, led him to go against culture and tradition of the time. So now we're going to talk about how each of these wound up in such a, in such a bad situation. Was it God's fault? Absolutely not. It wasn't God's fault. God allowed them to have what they desired and it backfired. They thought they knew what they wanted, uh, but it turned out to be a curse. With Israel, 
They were discontent with what they had. They rejected God and God's way, and they desired to be like the other nations. With Adam and Eve, they were also discontent. They disregarded God's law and desired wisdom beyond what God had given them. And then the prodigal. Think about him. He was impatient, and he desired wealth. He desired independence, and that caused him to disregard culture and tradition. A common thread in those examples is, I want to do what I want to do rather than follow God's way. My way rather than God's way. There's also selfishness, selfishness, discontentment, a desire for more, and, and none of them were focused on future consequences. And they refused to listen to wisdom. So let's look in Proverbs chapter 1. Let's go back to the Old Testament. And now we're going to ask the question, how could have God responded? In the first two examples, how could have God responded? Proverbs chapter 1, 24 through 31. It says, Because I have called you and refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and with none of my reproof, I, will, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind and when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. All right? So that's how, could, that's how God could have responded. I told you so. That you were stubborn. And I'm not helping you anymore. I am done with you. That's how God could have responded. Or that's how the prodigal's father could have responded. But now we're going to talk about how God actually responded. With Israel, he continued to extend his hand to fellowship. He continued to offer that, even though Israel rejected it. With Adam and Eve, he allowed them to live, and he, and he blessed them with a family and long lives. He still, he still cared for them. Then the prodigal's father allowed him to return home and restored him to his place. In these examples, God was willing to extend his fellowship, and the prodigal's father allowed him home, but the consequences were still there. The consequences of their bad decisions were still there. You know, with the Israelites, God's warnings came to fruition, and they were never the same after that. You know, Adam and Eve still had to work on their own, feel pain, and eventually die. And for the prodigal, he no longer had his inheritance. He had wasted it. Uh, he was still his father's son and still in the house, but he no longer had his, no longer had his inheritance. And as I was looking at these stories, I noticed something interesting, that the prodigal was the only one who was actually restored to where, to his previous place, to where he was before. And we talked about the similarities, but I couldn't help but wonder, well, what was different about the prodigal? Why was he restored? Um, you think about Israel, they continued to be stubborn, they continued to be rebellious, and Though Adam and Eve may have been remorseful, they may have been sorrowful, there's no record of them ever showing repentance or remorse. But if you look in Luke 15, verse 18, the prodigal repented. He told his father, I have sinned against you 
and against heaven. Or I've sinned against heaven and before you. He was repentant. He was sorry for what he did. And of those three, I hope that we would all be more like the prodigal who realized what he had done. Um, and what he had done was not wise. But eventually, he repents. We listen to wisdom and accept the blessings of our Father. So we've talked about these examples and, and similarities and differences. Now I'd like to talk to you about lessons that we can learn from that. I think the first lesson that we can learn is to be content with what they have. I heard a song yesterday. It says, we all want what we ain't got. That's the name of the song. And the point is that people are never satisfied with what they have. That's, that's what the singer, that's the, the point of the song. But he's never satisfied with what he has. But he says he'll be content with whatever life gives him as long as he has the girl he loves. As long as he can have the girl he loves back. You know, that's the same kind of contentment we should have. As long as we can follow God, as long as we can follow God, we should be content. We should have that same attitude. And you know, that's the same kind of contentment that Paul talked about in Philippians 4. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. So it says in verse 11 again, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever situation that Paul went through, he had learned to be content. He went through some, some terrible things and he learned how to be content. The second thing that I think we can learn is how to ask for things. You know, whatever we ask for, we should follow Jesus' example in Matthew 26, 39. Matthew 26, he's in the garden. He said, if it, be, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But that's not how he finishes. How does he finish it? Not my will, but thine be done. And so whatever we ask for, let's ask for God's will. And then in Proverbs 3, verse 5. Let's go back to Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, when we ask God for His will, we're recognizing Him as the authority and we're showing Him that we trust Him to do what's best for us. The third thing that I'd like for us to look at, lessons that we can learn, is how to respond when we find ourselves in the situation like the prodigal, when we find ourselves in the pit, when we find ourselves in the muck. Let's look at Proverbs 19, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. It says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So there, the idea of listening to wisdom, it, we're going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall on our face. We're all going to find ourselves in the pit. But listen to wisdom. Listen to instruction. Gain wisdom. So when we find ourselves in a bad situation, let's learn from it and be wiser. 
And the fourth and final thing that we're going to look at as far as lessons that we can learn from these examples is our decisions can lead us astray. Our decisions can lead us astray, but not God. Let's look at Psalms 23. Psalms 23. When I think of comfort and rest and God's wisdom, I think about Psalms 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me to beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we follow God's way, we can't go wrong, because His way will never lead us astray. So we've looked at three examples of God allowing, uh, two examples of God allowing His people to have things, even though it wasn't good for them. One, uh, the prodigal with his father. Even though it wasn't good for them. They were selfish and they were stubborn and they refused to listen. So this morning I want to encourage you to ask God for His will rather than our desires. You know, there's nothing wrong with making requests to God. That's what we do when we pray, right? There's nothing wrong with making requests to God. Um, but let's follow Jesus' example, if it be possible. Um, not my will, but thine. You know, for, for the three examples that we looked at, it would have gone very differently for those if they had listened to God and sought His wisdom rather than their own desires. And so looking at these examples, we can see the consequences of putting our desires, our desires before God's will. Trust God to do what's best for you. So this morning I want to ask you a question. Are you having trouble trusting God? Have you been following your desires rather than the wisdom of God? You know, that can change. And He'll treat you just like the prodigal's father treated him. He'll, he'll restore you completely. And he'll, he'll be glad that you came back. And maybe you've never decided to trust God. Maybe you've never put Him on in baptism to make Him your leader. Um, We'll be happy to help you rebuild your trust in God or help you begin trusting Him. Whatever you need, please come now as together we stand and sing.